What is up, Bitcoiners? It's your boy CK, and this is another episode of the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. This week, I sat down with Kevin Latinity, the CTO of Bank, B-A-N-Q.com, as well as the CSO over at Prime Trust, which is low-key one of the most important infrastructure companies in all of the Bitcoin space. A lot of the fiat to Bitcoin services that Bitcoiners know and love, like Swan Bitcoin, like Strike, actually tap into Prime Trust. Uh, And so bank.com, B-A-N-Q, Dot com is actually uh, you know built on top of Prime Trust just like that and is obviously affiliated and uh, they're building a really cool consumer uh, Bitcoin and fiat checking account type bank right it's it's a full banking application just like your Chase Bank or just like your Wells Fargo Bank with all of those features and more uh, a ton of great privacy features that no fintech would ever provide um, as well as just Bitcoin at its heart. And when you talk to Kevin, when you listen to this interview, like they're trying to plug Bitcoin into literally everything. And they think that ultimately all value will be sucked into Bitcoin. I mean, let's let's face it. That's pretty much what, what they're trying to do. So personally, I love to see it. I am a hyper Bitcoinization maximalist. And I think we're living in hyper Bitcoinization. And these fintechs like bank, BAMQ.com, they're like, they're, they're making it happen. Um, another company that's making it happen is MoonPay. MoonPay plus, plugs into a bunch of different wallets. So that way you can buy Bitcoin with Apple Pay, with Google Pay, with your debit card, with your credit card, and have it sent directly to a non-custodial wallet. It is really cool. They're building really cool Bitcoin and payments technology. And they're actually plugged right into the Bitcoin 2021 conference website. So we made a deal with them. For us, we want Bitcoin and we are willing to give a pretty steep discount for people to pay us in Bitcoin. But a lot of people just want to swipe their credit card. They don't really want to spend their Bitcoin. So how do we solve that? Plug in MoonPay. So MoonPay is actually letting you swipe your debit card, swipe your credit card, pay with Apple Pay, send Bitcoin to us get a $400 discount on your Bitcoin 2021 ticket, and they're actually waiving that fee. So you can try out their awesome services directly on the Bitcoin 2021 website. You can actually just buy Bitcoin there, you know, and send it to your own wallet if you want to, but you should pay us with it. Get a Bitcoin 2021 ticket. Check out MoonPay on there and meet the MoonPay team at Bitcoin 2021. And while you're at it, you can meet the bank team and the Prime Trust team because, I mean, they're going to be there too as well and they're going to be sponsoring big. And, I mean, you can meet me there. Everyone's going to be in Miami. So if you're not, are you even a Bitcoiner? I don't know. Uh, You tell me. But be there or be square. Let's get into this podcast with Kevin Latinity. Bitcoiners. I am sitting across the screen from Kevin Latinity, who is the CTO of a really cool fintech company called bank.com, B-A-N-Q.com. And they are really awesome fintech, kind of like mobile banking plus Bitcoin solution uh, that brings everything under one roof. And I was telling Kevin this before we hit record, but I love to see this. I personally love to see Bitcoin being legitimized and Bitcoin and holding Bitcoin right next to holding US dollars. I feel like that's where Bitcoin kind of deserves to be in the personal finance stack. Uh, And again, I'm really excited to learn more about bank and uh, again, hear about Kevin's Bitcoin story. So I guess, you know, before we get into the company, like, you know, I see you got a block clock behind you. Like, it's pretty clear that you're a Bitcoiner besides the fact that you're building a Bitcoin company. But why don't you just introduce yourself, Kevin? Sure. Thanks for having me on the show, by the way. Um, my name's Kevin Latinity. Um, I currently serve as the chief strategy officer for Prime Trust, which is a financial infrastructure company that's pretty big now in, in the Bitcoin space, powering a lot of on-ramps, exchanges, things like that. Um, but I'm also the CTO and co-founder of Bank, B-A-N-Q, which is honestly where I spend more of my time these days, building out kind of our consumer business and I feel like you know I've I've had a good impact now on the infrastructure side through Prime Trust. So now I want to have a big impact on the consumer side and really you know bring this to the masses, bring this to the market directly. And that's really exciting. And that's something that that we hope to do through Bank with our mobile apps and and other products. So it's it's been 
eight years now, I think, for me in fintech. Um, and I can tell you my Bitcoin story if you want, um, but it's been generally five or so years now in Bitcoin, um, three of which were professionally and, and two of which before that were many embarrassing failures uh, trying to buy Bitcoin and getting kicked out of my bank and, and other stuff for doing that. <laughs> wow. So you've completely 180 and now you're enabling people to, to get access to Bitcoin versus uh, what you kind of had to deal with uh, at the beginning of your journey. Exactly. Look, I'm, um, you know, I, I don't think I'm a hardcore anything in particular, but I'm definitely more libertarian minded in nature. You know, things like self-sovereignty are important to me. Um, things like being able to process your transactions, privacy. These are all things that really matter to me. And, and that was uh, something that drew me into Bitcoin. And that was something that appealed to me pretty early on. And I've been thrilled, honestly, to kind of devote this part of my professional career to the flying the flag and uh, trying to, to show the world the value of doing all this stuff and why it's honestly really important. It matters. So I guess let, let's talk about that. Like, why is it important for people to get access to Bitcoin? And, you know, I guess let's just call it non-state money in general. Like, why is this kind of innovation on the internet something worth committing, uh, you know, so much of your life to? Like, personally, for me, you know, I think and breathe Bitcoin all day. You know, you obviously have, have been building the infrastructure for years. So, um, you know, why, why are you doing this? Let me... Um... Let me tell you my Bitcoin story. I kind of like to start out this way. Um, I started out with this story on uh, Peter McCormick's podcast. I do this on the Building Blocks podcast that I host as well. And really for me, what triggered it was, um, I think it was 2015. The date's probably inconsistent between the times I tell the story, because honestly, I don't really remember <laughs> exactly what it was. But it was my first time buying Bitcoin. And I'm embarrassed that it was on Coinbase, but I was a new coiner. So, you know, it was on Coinbase. Um, and I punched in my debit card information. I went to buy a Bitcoin. It was like 400 bucks at the time. And I was like, look, I, I think this is interesting. I like the concept of non-state money. Let's, but I, I wasn't sold, right? And I was like, look, I'm going to buy this, buy this thing. And as I'm trying to buy it, the bank blocks my debit card transaction. The bank was like, nope, you're not buying Bitcoin today. So sorry. And I'm sitting there and it's almost like this light bulb went off in the back of my brain. And I'm like, the money that's sitting there, that's my money. I've worked hard for that. You know, I've earned that. I've scraped through, you know, whatever I could budget in savings every month at the end of the month. Like I've really worked hard for my money. Who the who are you to tell me that I can't spend my money on this? And it was just this kind of fundamental mind shift. Just it was a really weird experience. And it's one that I don't think we have in the US very often. Outside the U.S., this happens all the time, right? Capital controls are a very normal part of most people's everyday life, but not in the U.S. But then this moment happened. And the best part is, two weeks later, I got a notice. I got a letter in the mail, good old school mail. They're like, hey, by the way, we're terminating our relationship with you. We're closing all your accounts. I was like, are you serious? Like The bank completely fired me as a customer because I wanted to buy Bitcoin. And that was this moment to me where I was like, you know what? I really don't like the concept of having, of being so reliant on all these different parties. And, and granted, you know, we can talk about custody versus self-sovereignty and, and things like that. I, I do think the custody is an important part of Bitcoin. It's an important part of bringing Bitcoin to the masses, right? There's a lot of different user demographics and things like that. I love to control my own keys. I really do. Um, if I were to hand seed phrases um, to my parents, they would instantly lose control of their crypto, right? It would end up lost. It would so I think different demographics can benefit from different things. But that for me was the moment when I got into Bitcoin, when it was like, hey, this is my money. I want to spend it what I want to spend it on and not what I'm told I'm allowed to spend it on. Yeah, that makes sense. And like you said, so many people living in the world today have broken financial systems, bo broken monetary systems at their yep. core. And it's kind of hilarious to just hear people in the U.S., who just seem completely ignorant of that. And, you know, what is the use case of Bitcoin? Bitcoin serves no use case. And I just like, like, wow, you're just demonstrating how ignorant you are to the state of money across the globe. Yeah, you've got the, I think, what I would call the practical uses, 
which is capital controls and things like that. Um, and then you also have just general, I think money supply is really important when it comes to Bitcoin. Right? I don't think people really understand the benefits of having an asset that has a fixed supply. Like as at least through COVID here in the US, you know, we've printed a ridiculous amount of money that used to never exist before, right? And that depending on how extreme your views are, um, you know, you could view inflation as theft, right? Your purchasing power is going down through something that you don't control. If you're in a fixed supply asset or something like that, now all of a sudden you don't have those problems, right? Bitcoin supplies, there's a fixed cap. You can't really continue to dilute the value of it. It's, it's such a good asset. And I think people will start to understand it more. People are beginning to understand it more, but we're at the beginning of, of the revolution. I think we're still very much in the early stages. And a big part of continuing to increase adoption is to make it more retail friendly, make it really easy to get into, continue educating people, right? There's a really strong correlation between Bitcoin transaction volume, sort of like purchase volume and education. The more I think we focus as an industry on explaining the benefits and teaching our you know, family, friends and, and other people, whether through Twitter or in person about things, uh, I think the better for all of us and the better for everyone. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously a huge part of Bitcoin education, running Bitcoin Magazine yep. and doing the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. But at the same time, I think the biggest catalyst for Bitcoin education are the central bankers themselves uh, who are just <laughs> you know, flagrantly abusing uh, their citizens in the system. Um, you know, talking about onboarding new people, helping the on-ramps, on-ramps onto Bitcoin and crypto in general, Let's talk about bank.com. Like, obviously, this is a passion project. You have, have personal experience being offended um, and, and fired <laughs> by, by the traditional banking system just for wanting to spend your money the way that you want to. Um, you know, let's talk about like someone who, like, first, what is bank? And then someone who wants to like jump into bank, like, how do they do that? So, really, the, the reason for bank is, you know, bank is is the bank that I wish I had at the end of the day. And you, you'll you probably appreciate this. When we were kind of starting the company, we kind of, you know, everybody goes through kind of the branding exercise, right? And you're like, okay, why do we exist? And we're internally, we're all big fans of um, Simon Sinek, start with the why, right? We want to have companies with purpose. We want to be kind of mission driven and things like that. And we sat around trying to figure out what is the why of bank? And our, our CEO, Scott Purcell, on the whiteboard in the conference room just draws out because banking doesn't have to suck. And we all just kind of stared there and we're like, actually, that's perfect. It's not sophisticated, it's not fancy. We didn't pay a PR agency millions of dollars to come up with it. But that's why we started bank because we believe that banking doesn't actually have to suck. And banking kind of is the next natural question is, well, what is banking? And the answer is banking's broader than just a checking account. Right, banking is holding your assets. Banking is payments. Banking is payroll. It's your fiat. Banking is also your investments. It's your Bitcoin. It's other investments that you want to make in you know traditional assets or stocks or things like that. Investment banking is a thing, right? Banking is all about international remittance as well. Like banking is a broad definition, and we want to start to tackle all of that piece by piece. But the way that we're starting is, is what I believe to be possibly the most impactful is let's make it easy to bring more crypto, bring more Bitcoin to the masses. So you can think of bank as your bank and your Bitcoin kind of combined in one place, in one account, side by side, not in separate apps, not your bank at Chase and then your Bitcoin in you know, Casa or something like that. Um, it's all together. It's where it's supposed to be. It's just another part of your financial life. Why is it relegated to you know, these exchanges that people still see as scammy and overseas? Why can't it just live right next to my money? It's an asset that I want to hold. And a big part of what we want to do with the bank app and things like that is just make it really, really simple for everybody who's getting excited about Bitcoin to be able to participate in the asset class. So if I'm someone who is new to crypto, I don't really want to know about seed phrases. As much as that kills me as someone who believes in self-sovereignty very strongly, I don't want to have to manage my keys if I'm kind of new to the space. And I'm probably likely to buy my Bitcoin on something like a Robinhood or a PayPal or something like that, right? Tremendous distribution for those guys, their existing user base. Um, but I think 
you know, at least on Robinhood, where I can't really withdraw my Bitcoin, I'm not really owning the asset, right? That's not actually an on-ramp. I get an IOU for Bitcoin. And I think that in a way offends me even more <laughs> than uh, a lot of other things that exist out there. So we want to create a simple place where people can get in, they can easily deposit their cash, whether they want to get their payroll deposited and get that converted straight to Bitcoin. That's potentially an interesting topic we can explore more of. Or if they just want to deposit from their checking account, they want to deposit from their debit card, they want to get a wire in, things like that. They can hold their cash. They can easily buy Bitcoin with it at any point in time, kind of buy, sell, hold. And then on our roadmap, you know, we're, we've got some pretty ambitious plans um, around Bitcoin payments, being able to actually send the Bitcoin kind of back and forth within the ecosystem, being able to withdraw it then out to your external wallet so we can act as an on-ramp or a, a stepping stone to self-sovereignty so you're new to the space. Great, get on bank, buy some Bitcoin. Once you learn more, once you get more comfortable, then great, with, withdraw it out to your own ledger, to your own HSM or something like that. It's fine by me, right? And then how can I actually use Bitcoin in payments? How can I use Bitcoin in commerce? If you have a business account on the bank platform, you're immediately going to be able to accept Bitcoin payments when we release out kind of paying in Bitcoin. And you're not even going to know. You don't have to know. We can do some things without a liquidation and stuff like that, which all of a sudden brings Bitcoin acceptance to every merchant on the platform. And we think that's also a pretty special thing. So... In terms of the actual UI, I'm just kind of looking through the site. And one of the things I really like about how you formatted, formatted this app is it's not formatted like a brokerage account, right? Like I feel like Coinbase started <laughs> off with on this path and then they they really veered on the like, they try to just look alike Binance a lot. Um, yep. So, I mean, personally, I, I, I'm not a fan of that route. And I, I do like the idea of like, you know, people want to simplify their life. They want one place they can get their checks sent to. I'm curious, do you guys have a debit card and what like the fiat side of things looks like? Um, but I do love the idea of just like, here's Bitcoin, here's my fiat, here's my one fintech app. Um, and it's all there. And, you know, I, you know, it's not a big deal to accept fiat for payment and, you know, have 50% go into my long-term savings in Bitcoin. It's just all there. And then, like you said, it's important that you can actually pull it out when you want. So it's not like a an IOU or a half-ass thing like PayPal or Robinhood. I mean, <laughs> honestly, like that stuff is bad because it's like, oh, you got Bitcoin on there. Oh, well, now you might have to sell it, take a capital gain, and then go buy it somewhere else because you got ripped off. It's like it's like a step yep. backwards yep. to some degree. It sucks. It is. It it really does. Like the the possibilities with bank are really interesting because we've got this breadth of functionality that I think is unmatched, right? So you you get an account on bank and that account can hold any asset that bank supports. That account can hold cash, it can hold USD. Um, that account can hold Bitcoin. In the future, you know, we're looking at things like stocks and stuff like that because people might want to liquidate those to buy more Bitcoin or, you know, how can we just improve the ecosystem in general? Um, but on the cash side, you know, you can deposit cash into your bank account via a debit card. You can deposit cash via ACH or like link your checking account and make a deposit. You can send wires in. Um, and all these things also are outbound. So we have quite a few users that have already replaced their Wells Fargo account, for example, with bank. Bank is their bank. Deposits come in, they can make transfers out, and they can also do all this investing in Bitcoin and other things all within the application. And we can even spit out you know, an account number and a routing number for you or something like that. So if you want to say, hey, you know, I'm not really ready to dump Wells Fargo yet. We're still in this weird honeymoon phase where I still love traditional banking, but I would love to, you know, take half my paycheck in Bitcoin. Fine. We can give you a routing number, an account number. You can go into your payroll system. You can say, I want 50% of my paycheck to go to my Wells Fargo checking account. And I want 50% of my paycheck to go to bank with this account number and this routing number. And then just do an automated recurring buy, every, you know, twice a month or every two weeks, whenever you get paid for the amount of your paycheck that's dropping into bank. And you know what you've accomplished at that point is without your payroll vendor supporting Bitcoin payments, which let's be honest, it's gonna take a while for that level of adoption to get there. Now you're practically taking half your paycheck in Bitcoin because you're, you know, you're automatically buying half of your paycheck immediately on payday right away. A lot of these really cool things that make it really simple to get into Bitcoin. So you mentioned a feature there, which is you 
bank offers auto buys. Can you like kind of list off some of these features that, I mean, obviously Bitcoiners love auto buy. Like that's probably one of the most yep. important features out there because DCA is the way to, you yep. know, expose yourself to Bitcoin in a relatively safe manner. Yeah, we really, you know, we look at the business in kind of two pieces. We look at the consumer segment and then we look at the business segment. So on the consumer side, what people are really interested in that we talk to is easy ways to basically DCA into Bitcoin, a dollar cost average into Bitcoin. So we support recurring buys through a linked checking account, through a debit card. Um, we also support one-time buys, you know, either through, again, ACH, a linked debit card, you can wire in. You can also send money and Bitcoin eventually um, on bank peer-to-peer. So you can send money back and forth like a cash app or a Venmo or things like that. So you don't necessarily have to even deposit money from the outside. But if you have friends who are on bank or things like that, you know, Venmo doesn't have Bitcoin yet. And when it does, maybe it'll be this weird IOU thing. So drop Bitcoin, get on bank, start to use that. Um, And now all of a sudden you've got Bitcoin in there, in there as well. And then on the merchant side, a lot of people are really struggling to figure out, hey, how do I accept Bitcoin for payments? How do I get paid in Bitcoin? Right. My costs are all still dollar based. Right. I pay payroll in dollars. I pay vendors in dollars. My products are all priced in dollars. So I'm not necessarily ready to hold Bitcoin yet, although we do enable Bitcoin purchasing for merchants. So if you're a small business and you want to put Bitcoin on your balance sheet, like MicroStrategy, Square, Tesla, all these really cool guys, that's honestly hard to do for smaller businesses. Because if you're trying to KYC on Coinbase or something else as a business, they're like, great, are you a market maker? Are you an OTC desk? Like, no, I'm, I'm a coffee shop. I've got 20 grand I want to put into Bitcoin, right? They're not catering to that market segment. On bank, it's super simple. Whether you're a consumer, a small business, a medium business, anybody can buy and hold Bitcoin. You can all put it on your balance sheet. And if you just want to get paid and you're not ready to put on your balance sheet, great. We can work in with our trading and our liquidity and things like that. We can do an auto liquidation. So you can say, hey, I want to get paid 50 bucks. Show that QR code, send that link, however you want to do it um, to the person paying you. And you scan that link. And if you're holding Bitcoin in your account, it'll pop up and say, hey, do you want to send 50 US dollars or do you want to spend you know, 0.01 Bitcoin? And we'll do that auto liquidation to the merchant at Seamless. They get 50 bucks. So every merchant now accepts Bitcoin at you know no sweat to them. They don't have to solve any problems. And that's something that honestly on the business side has been really, really interesting. People want to accept Bitcoin, but they don't want the market volatility and they don't know how to do it. It's too complicated. Well, I'll tell you this. As soon as they started accepting Bitcoin and seeing the gains that they're leaving on the table by auto liquidating, <laughs> they're going to switch to just accepting Bitcoin straight out. But it's amazing. It is awesome that like, hey, I'm going to set up you can do that on bank. You can turn auto liquidity yeah. off and now it, you hold it in Bitcoin, right? It's giving people the tools. Let's get them in. Let's make it easy for them to get in because you and I both know once once you start to experience it, you just go deeper down the rabbit hole. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. And I mean, Bitcoin is just better money. So like it just works in real time. Uh, So it's kind of hilarious how people have a cognitive dissonance against that. One of the things that you mentioned that I thought was really interesting, like talking about your roadmap, you know, adding in all other assets, but with the objective of like funneling it into Bitcoin. Uh, (laughs) Can you just talk about like, you know, sounds like you're on the hyper Bitcoinization train here. Like that's what Bitcoin Magazine's about. So look, at, at the end of the day, if I put my personal views aside, you know, I believe you know people should be able to invest in what they want to invest, right? I'm not going to tell people put all your money in Bitcoin. I'm I do it, um, but I I don't want to force people to do that, right? Like the bank forced me not to buy Bitcoin. I don't want to force people to buy Bitcoin. If you want to buy some Coinbase stock, if you want to buy some Apple shares, if you want to buy Tesla, if you want to buy MicroStrategy, um, you know, go right ahead. That's a decision that I want to enable, right? I want to let you make those decisions and do what you want to do. But fundamentally, I believe that once you start to understand what's happening with Bitcoin, then you're going to start to sell some of your other assets and your other investments and start to go in on Bitcoin. So if I can provide uh, a place 
And granted, you know, stocks and other assets are pretty far down our roadmap. That's a fairly different thing than supporting Bitcoin, right? It's a it's a pretty different asset class. But I think that if you can start to invest in more asset types, then that's going to mean more people who are exposed to bank, which means more people who are exposed to Bitcoin, which means more people who will then sell those other asset types and just come over to Bitcoin, which plays back to the, you know, the Bitcoin train you were talking about. Okay. So, um, in terms of, uh, in terms of like other future things on the roadmap, what else can you kind of tease here? So really the roadmap, (coughs) the roadmaps in a few different pieces. So what we're coming out for is what we've got, which we're just releasing right now. This is, you know, right in the middle of it, which is really exciting is buying, selling and holding Bitcoin. So we've had for a while kind of the banking components, right? I can open account, I can hold a balance, I can do peer-to-peer payments, I can pay merchants, I've got ACH, I've got cards, I can do wires and like those capabilities we've had for a while. Now you can buy, sell and hold Bitcoin. What we're working on next is the ability to then transfer that Bitcoin within the network. So you have other friends that you know you want to expose them to Bitcoin they're also not ready for self-custody. Great. Well, they can sign up on bank and then you can send them you know, a fraction of a Bitcoin. Uh, apparently, people still don't realize that you can buy fractions of a Bitcoin. So you can send them a fraction of a Bitcoin. It'll blow their minds. Um, and all of a sudden, they've been exposed to it as well. After that, we're looking at the ability to deposit Bitcoin that you are holding in an external wallet. So say you want to be able to get some use out of the Bitcoin. So you want to be able to use it at the merchants that accept bank then deposit it from your outside wallet into your account at bank. And then you can spend it on the bank platform at all these different merchants, things like that. Um, Obviously, we're going to add the ability to withdraw it off the platform. Um, We're not doing IOUs. We're not doing fake Bitcoin. This is is real Bitcoin only. Um, There's some, some fraud pieces that we have to put in before we can allow the withdrawals. Um, But I, that is something that is on the roadmap. That is something that we will do. Um, it's just going to take us a little bit more time to bake in all those anti-fraud tools and, and stuff like that. Um, and then it's all about being able to use Bitcoin, use it at merchants, things like that. And I don't know, maybe a Bitcoin rewards uh, debit card. It, the possibilities are endless. I won't tease that one too much because that's a little bit farther out. But uh, you know, we're going to build an entire financial services stack um, that that revolves around Bitcoin. It's going to be a really fun three, six, nine, 12 months. It's bank's going to be the one place where if you want to interact with it, great. You can buy, you can sell, you can hold, you can transfer, you can withdraw, you can deposit, you can use it, you can get it in rewards, all on bank, all right next to, you know, your fiat and your peer-to-peer payments and all the other 50 apps I have on the finance folder on my phone. Gotcha. In terms of like competition, like I guess what inspires you, right? Because there are several players in this game. Not everyone comes at it with the mentality that you're bringing in. And I feel like bank itself, uh, based on you know what I've seen and what you're describing, uh, is quite unique. Um, but I guess, can you just talk about, you know, I feel like this this space is vicious, right? Like, uh, I'm just kind of curious how, how you, you're viewing the landscape. So, look, the... I don't think it's crowded yet, but there's definitely a lot of players in the space, right? If if I want to buy Bitcoin, I can do that at a bunch of different exchanges. I can buy IOUs on Robinhood and you know more traditional apps. There's a bunch of purpose-built um, fiat on-ramps like uh, like the guys at Swan, for example, and, and things like that. Um, but what we're trying to do with Bank is build an entire ecosystem that is drastically more valuable than some of its parts. And this ecosystem as a whole, in my mind, has basically no competitors. Where can you interact with Bitcoin in such a non-fragmented way that as a consumer, you can actually, you can buy it, you can hold it, you can sell it, you can deposit it, you can withdraw it, you can pay in it, you can transfer it amongst your friends, and you can even maybe get rewards on it for your debit card spending, right? Where does all of that exist in one place? The answer is not really. If you're a business and you want to start accepting Bitcoin, great. Are you an enterprise player? Bam, we've got an API product for you. You can use bank all within the APIs. Don't even need the mobile app. Um, Are you a smaller business or you're running an e-commerce store? Great. We've got a whole checkout with bank widget. 
little checkout with bank button, launches the whole bank experience, bam, right there, copy, paste some HTML. Um, and you're now accepting payments on your e-commerce space through bank. Um, and this is fiat these, payments, Bitcoin payments, other oh, crypto, yeah. like the whole nine yards, right? Oh, yeah. Welcome to the future. It's everything all in one, all right there with Bitcoin at the heart. Um, you want to just do kind of, you want to share Bitcoin around. Great. We can do that. We can actually do that off chain so that people can, you know, just kind of get onto bank. We can share it around quickly. You don't have to pay you anything. Your friends don't have to learn how to hold keys and things like that, right? We can make it all really simple. And then when they're ready, great. Withdraw it out to their own multi-sig or to their own hardware wallets or things like that. And really what we're trying to do is, you know, it's the mobile app, it's the web app, it's the APIs, it's these checkout products. It's trying to just bring, I guess, Bitcoin to what traditional financial services serve. And I think everyone's tackled kind of a piece of it, but no one's been able to really put that ecosystem together. And I think if we can put together a whole suite, it's just going to be a lot of fun. So I know you're the CTO, so I have a couple of like more you know technical-based Bitcoin sure. questions to ask you. I mean, not that technical, but I'm just curious. Like, So obviously on-chain, that's already interoperable. Yep. If you kind of think of your system, you have a closed-source system, and then it's interoperable with the open-source Bitcoin on-chain system. Um, you know, we see folks like Strike, you know, they do that plus Lightning, right? Uh, just specifically yep. for the P2P payments and uh, I guess, you know, fiat conversion and stuff like that. Uh, just kind of curious, like, you know, what do you think of Lightning? What do you think of Liquid? What do you think of other layer two, uh, you know, kind of implementations? And uh, is there a plan to like implement that kind of technology into your stack as well? There may be. So look, I think, you know, Liquid, Lightning, anything that's layer two um, is really important for Bitcoin. Right. Fundamentally, if you start to share it, I think you, know, you can debate what the best analogy for Bitcoin is. Um, I do somewhat like the analogy of 21st century gold, just in the concept that you know gold can be self-custodied. Gold is a store of value. Um, and there's a lot of things that Bitcoin does much better around sharing, transmitting, um, you know, auditability, things like that. But one thing that I think Bitcoin does poorly um, at at the core level um, is kind of peer-to-peer -peer transfers. And that's where the guys at Strike and other folks have built really amazing things, leveraging Lightning, where you can now actually make Bitcoin a peer-to-peer -peer quickly transmittable asset um, through a lot of those types of technologies. And I think that for us, we've taken the initial decision of saying, hey, let's settle peer-to-peer -peer type things off-chain um, because we think that the market that is coming into Bitcoin isn't quite ready to really be holding things on chain. And our approach is more of a stepped approach where we want to get them into Bitcoin as an asset class first. And then we want to educate them to the point where they can then take their Bitcoin and they can move it someplace on chain. Um, that to me would be a wild success. I would consider that a highly productive product. Um, versus potentially, you know, dissuading them from trying it to begin with because they get too bothered by um, what it's going to take to manage keys and, and some other things like that. But I think as the space continues to mature and people um, get a lot more comfortable with, with on-chain type transactions, something like Lightning is absolutely something that we'd look at. Makes sense. And then in terms of like, okay, you said peer to peer on your peer to peer network, right? Like, what does like, what does that entail? Is that just bank? Is that only bank users sending Bitcoin between each other? Is that does that tap into any other uh, like banking network like Zelle kind of is like a cross banks? I don't know, like, uh, just kind of give me a better idea what that feature set looks like. So the initial rollout is bank as a closed ecosystem. Um, then the next rollout is bank as a hybrid ecosystem, meaning bank itself as a closed system with the option to withdraw to you know the Bitcoin network as an open system. And that way we can kind of play in both realms. Um, from there, I think there's a lot of other systems that are interesting to tap into, whether it's running lightning nodes and using some you know something on L2. 
um, or whether it's tapping into more closed systems, which is kind of your implication with, with Zelle. Um, you know, there's a few kind of settlement networks out there in the space from prime trusts to, um, you know, quite a few range of them. Maybe we tap into some of those and we allow you to start to interact in, you know, more dark pools and things like that. Privacy is a, is a huge thing for us. When we started the company, you know, we had this big section on the website. I think we still have a big section on privacy on the website, but it was all privacy by design and it was all privacy first, um, you know, I don't know why, to take a peer-to-peer example, Venmo has an activity feed. That's always been like the strangest thing in the world to me. Like, I, I don't know why I want anybody to know the types of transactions that I'm making. Like, sure, it, it's good for a, a laugh every once in a while when you put an inappropriate emoji up as a description or something like that. But really, why do payments need to have a social feed? Why does my financial life need a social feed? I strongly believe the answer is it doesn't. And Because it was created in 2011. That's yeah, why. honestly, that's exactly why. And even on more traditional things, I don't think people realize the amount of data that payment network systems, financial institutions, things like that are selling and sharing about you. It's actually kind of a scary, staggering amount of data of every card swipe, every transaction, every you know purchase that you're making, all that demographic data just gets sold to the highest bidder. And I just can't stand that, to be honest with you. So when we kind of came out with bank, we wanted to be we wanted to be the contrarian. And we said, hey, everything is going to be extremely private. Um, there's going to be some things where you can opt in to having your data sent to you, um, you know, to other partners if you want to use those partner services, much like, you know, I can link a wallet somewhere and they can, you know, see some transaction stuff, which granted it's on chain so you can see it anyway. But there's a few places where it makes sense to let you opt into sharing your data because then you can see the transactions all in one place. Um, but other than that, unless you're opting into it, banks keeping you secret. Like our our default, even on the peer-to-peer, is you can set a handle and you can be found in search, you know, through your handle and things like that. You can also turn all that off. You can appear as a 12-digit number. No one will ever know who you are other than us for KYC reasons. Um, we'll never share that with anybody that you're transacting. It's not going to be, hey, CK paid you 50 bucks. It's this anonymous ID paid you 50 bucks. Who are they? It's not your business, right? That's your transaction. And those are things that you know we think go hand in hand with the crypto space in general. And uh, definitely a lot of Bitcoiners, I think, relate to that privacy piece. So it's something that we're excited to bring to the fiat world. And, and that's really where I think a lot of people are focused on bringing the fiat world to Bitcoin. I like to think that we're doing it both ways. We're bringing some of the fiat world to Bitcoin in terms of the on-ramp and the ability to buy easily and things like that. But we're also bringing Bitcoin to the fiat world. We're bringing more concepts of privacy, more concepts of securing and being respectful about your data, we're bringing in more concepts around self-sovereignty. And you know, we're, we're not the world's moral arbiter, right? We're just, we're not. It's up to you to decide what you want to do. So some of the, you know, specific features that you guys do that's pretty interesting is like, you know, show not to show your name and stuff like that. And like every exactly. single time I swipe my credit card, um, you know, it says my full name there. It says yep. like, you know, some pretty private information, just print it right on that receipt. Like, yep. so I guess let's talk about some of like the banking features, right? Because I feel like that's a lot of the area where bank is differentiating itself is kind of on that front and, you know, privacy plus the fiat banking system is not something that people are very accustomed to. Of course, not perfect privacy, but, um, you know, it seems like there is some, some improvements here. Yeah. I think, you know, that's the piece of bringing Bitcoin to fiat. A lot of Bitcoiners care about privacy. The traditional fiat systems don't, like you said, every time you swipe your credit card, the merchant has your name. If I'm ordering a coffee, why does the coffee shop need to know my full name? Oh, not to be rude, but what the coffee shop needs to do is make a coffee. It doesn't, and it needs to get paid for that. It doesn't need to know who I am. It doesn't need to print out my full name, parts of my card number, all that stuff onto this piece of paper that can be, you know, dumpster dived for um, afterwards in the trash. Um, it's even personally, I've had, you know, credit cards opened under my name with my information. I've had an unemployment claim filed under my name. Um, I've been simjacked a couple times now. Um, and granted, these may be some extreme examples, but the point is I'm conscious about privacy. 
and there's still this amount of information leaking out there. And the reason that there's this amount of information leaking out there is because financial services are extremely cavalier about sharing your data. And they are not at all interested, in fact, they're economically incentivized not to be interested in really protecting, securing your privacy and your data. So everything that we're doing at Bank has that privacy in mind. You've got that choice. You can, you know, hey, if you want to be easier to find, if I want someone to download the bank app, create their account, and be able to hit, you know, send money to, and then type in Kevin and see Kevin Latinity pop up there, then great. I can opt into that. Um, but if I want to be completely non-searchable, where you have to know my exact handle to send me something, I can opt into that as well. And if I just want to get rid of the whole handle concept, I can opt into that as well. I can be one, two, six, four, eight, three, nine, two. And that's all you ever know about me. Um, and that's something that I believe is is really important. And that's the best way to protect your privacy is by not even exposing the data, right? It's a lot easier for the merchant to leak your name and things like that if they have it. It's really hard for the merchant to leak any information about you if they see one, two, three, four, eight, six, two, three. They have no information to leak. So putting privacy at the forefront is what I hope is the beginning of a growing trend, but we'll have to see how much people really care about that to see if it becomes a trend. But you know, I, I really hope that it does. I know you said you weren't going to talk about the debit card too much, but dream feature would be a debit card that connects to, you know, obviously your account that has like some pro privacy features for when you swipe and then Bitcoin back with like some solid rewards. Like I feel like a lot of Bitcoiners would, would buy into that product. What we're going to do with the debit cards um, is is going to be pretty transformational. So there's debit cards that let you spend your crypto. Great. We'll do that too. Um, there's debit cards that let you earn rewards in, in Bitcoin. Great. We'll do that too. Um, if you happen to hold something that's not Bitcoin, oh, this will be a great joke. If you happen to hold ETH or Litecoin or Doge or something like that, great. Spend your Doge on your coffee and earn Bitcoin rewards. Like let's let's get the transaction flowing the right way here. Um, maybe those are some things that we can start to enable, right? Spend your other crypto and then start stacking more sats as you're spending it. Um, that's that's always behavior that I want to encourage, right? But anyway, that aside, we're also doing um, a lot of really interesting things around branded debit card programs. So if you're a merchant or you're somebody who has uh, a large audience, a large following, Bitcoin Magazine, for example, we're going to start to do this whole kind of debit card program where you could connect via, and this is kind of where I talked about opting into sharing some information. Um, you could connect via invite code, referral code, things like that um, to the Bitcoin Magazine network on bank get Bitcoin magazine, you know, sick branded debit cards with Bitcoin flare swag all over them, Bitcoin rewards programs, things like that. So there's a lot of interesting partnerships that we're doing with brands, with other merchants, networks, things like that, where bank is going to become that entry point to, inter to having a completely different relationship. That's pretty cool. And, you know, just knowing, you know, how prime trust kind of works, like it makes sense that you know, th this is how it, th that you're building the business. So um, it's uh, it, it's very cool to learn about bank personally and, and get to just pick your brain. But again, I, I just love Bitcoin getting mashed into fintech. Like people are talking about CBDCs and stuff like that. And I'm just like, dude, the free market is just going to take Bitcoin to the moon. And I just love seeing like the iteration. It's just endless. You don't need a CBDC, right? You have Bitcoin. It, it's an order of magnitude leap beyond CBDCs once you start to realize it. And just, I'm so excited to start to see a lot of this stuff roll out. Because um, really what we want to do is we want to build flexible rails, flexible infrastructure that people can create really new and interesting things on top of and leverage, right? So we've even got guys that are building um, a jet card program on top of bank. So they're, you know, Jetcard, you want to buy 25 flight hours on a Challenger 300? Great. The other really cool part about bank is that it's not a single bucket. We like to do, you know, it can be called sub-accounts. We like to call it multi-bucket banking. So I can create as many accounts as I want that are actually segregated ledgers 
within my space and within my bank app. So if I'm a jet charter service, I can create an account for CK, I can create an account for Kevin, I can create an account for all these jet card holders that I want. I can have them wire in for their 25 flight hours. Heck, I can have them transfer in some Bitcoin. Here's a wallet address. You're welcome. You have not paid for your Challenger 300 with your Bitcoin. We can start to create, you know, the the uh, the aviation branded debit cards that you can start to use around, ties into your Bitcoin balance, get reward, all sorts of really cool things. Um, that's, you know, obviously a fairly kind of high-end product that's being built on top of bank. But the point is, we're able to provide this infrastructure to such a wide range of different people that it's it's from a very simple, hey, I'm I'm a guy and I want an easy way to buy some Bitcoin. Great, download bank and do it there. To I'm a private jet charter operator and I want to build the world's first, you know, real charter jet card that operates in USD as well as Bitcoin. Great. You can do that on bank. Right. We're gonna come out with so many of these things. It's it's gonna be wild. All right. Well, again, uh, watching and uh, we'll be keenly covering here at Bitcoin Magazine as you know, you know, bank evolves as Bitcoin banking with Bitcoin evolves, uh, and you know, we bring Bitcoin to the masses. Is what I'm saying. You know, I I think we're living in hyper Bitcoinization, um, and uh, personally, I, I I'm just like I, every time I just look around, I, I see signs of it. Yeah. Look, I I think you know when. I know that we'll be successful. You and I will will cheers the day that instead of saying banking with Bitcoin, you just say banking because it's assumed that banking involves Bitcoin. That's that's the day that we'll have a toast. That's when the transformation and you know what we're working towards at bank is going to be is going to be realized. When it's no longer oh this is really cool it's banking with Bitcoin. It's of course it has Bitcoin. It's banking. That's when we're going to have reached that inflection point, and that's what I'm looking forward to. You know, for anybody who's who wants to help us get there, there's a bunch more information about bank at bank.com, obviously, and you know we've got the links to the app and and stuff like that. But check it out. We're on also on Twitter and and other things. I think it's at my bank is the Twitter handle. But look, we want to have conversations, right? We want to engage with people. Um, I think you know Bitcoin Magazine's done a tremendous job of promoting great projects in the space of promoting the awareness of Bitcoin, of really bringing a community together. We're really excited to be furthering the Bitcoin community. We want to be part of the education components. We want to be part of the on-ramps. We want to be part of spending. We want to be part of transferring. We want to be part of bringing Bitcoin mainstream. And as long as you know that's something that's interesting to people, connect with us, chat with us, get on the app. Let's let's have fun. Let's make Let's turn banking into Bitcoin together. I love that. Just turn everything into Bitcoin together. So, um, you know, <laughs> I think I think you're building a product that is going to help people do that. So, uh, again, you love to see it. Um, again, I think, do you have a personal Twitter account or anything like that? Do you want to point people to? Sure. Um, my Twitter account is uh, Kevin Latinity, abbreviated as KevLet, so K-E-V-L-E-H-T. First three, first four at K E V L E H T. Um, I post decent Bitcoin memes every once in a while. Uh, <laughs> I spend a lot of time on Twitter talking about Bitcoin, talking about bringing Bitcoin mainstream. Um, I host an educational series as well on YouTube, which is called Building Blocks Podcast. That's all part of that's sponsored by Bank. Obviously, that's all part of us trying to get the word out to more of a you know to more people, get more people involved in the ecosystem. We've got uh, you know great interviews and, and things like that on there. We're at a lot of Bitcoin events. Um, obviously, Bitcoin 2021, Miami. Yeah, we're there. I'd be remiss Come not to talk hi. about it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, we'll definitely be there in person. Um, I will definitely be there. Although I'm, um, we'll have uh, Scott Purcell, our CEO, will also be there. We'll have um, Michael will be there who runs our marketing. Jimmy from our biz dev team will be there. Um, you know, we'll be walking around. We'll be looking to connect with people, grab some drinks, you know, shoot the shit, have a lot of fun together. Um, Prime Trust is obviously there in a really big way. Um, that'll be really fun. I don't know which logo I'm wearing on which day. It'll be a little bit about bank, a little bit about Prime Trust. Um, but if anybody that's you know listening to this show 
has any questions about either and is a Bitcoin Miami, um, don't feel like you only have to talk to me about Prime Trust or only talk to me about Bank. Um, it's shocking to people sometimes, but I am not a robot. I am a real human being. And you can talk to me like a real human being. <laughs> you can talk to me about anything that you want. So, you know, definitely stop by, say hi. Um, if you love the app, let us know. Um, if you hate the app, uh, I, I don't know. Um, you should actually probably let us know, but <laughs> it'll it'll break our hearts a little bit. <laughs> but definitely, uh, you know, swing by. Let's let's have some fun. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean the the city is going to be overrun with Bitcoiners. I'm so excited for the conference, and I mean uh, everyone's going to be there, and, and I, I'm so excited to just. Uh, see, you know, meet you in person, see all the talks, uh, get to just mingle with people that I've been arguing with and talking to online. Uh, and even having <laughs> these, uh, these virtual podcasts, I'm going to be scheduling in person podcasts. Uh, there we go. Galore. Nice. So it's going to be it's going to be a time guys like you, you're, you're going to want to go to to Bitcoin 2021. And honestly, if you haven't gotten your ticket at this point, it's going to be a little expensive, but it's probably still worth it. Like, this is the way to to meet people in the industry. Oh, it's going to be such a great networking event. Um, oh, if you're going to be at Whale Day, I think I'm moderating one of the Whale Day, Whale Day panels. That'll be fun. Um, I'm not going to pull any punches. We'll see if we can ask some really good questions, get some really good conversation happening. It's it's always fun to get people arguing with each other on stage. So look out uh, look out for that panel, and you know hit me up on Twitter. If you're at Bitcoin 2021, if you've bought your tickets and, you know, whale day or the general conference, let me know. I'll, I'll be around. I'm looking forward to connecting with you, obviously, CK, but to, to anybody out there listening, just hit me up on Twitter. I'll, I'll be around. And so will a bunch of my friends and, you know, let's get to know each other. Let's, it's been a year and a half really at this point of not really doing anything. Let's actually get together face to face. Let's share a human connection um, and Miami's a, a beautiful place to do that, to say the least. Yep. No, I, I'm hyped, and we don't have to say any more. Uh, Kevin, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, for everyone listening, all of his social links, all of Bank's social links are all going to be in the show notes. Uh, so make sure to hit them up, meet up with them in Miami, and uh, hit me up too, at CK underscore snarks. Uh, you can give us a follow at Bitcoin Magazine. Five-star reviews are much appreciated. And like I said, give, give Kevin a follow. Peace. A quick reminder that all of the content in this episode is for informational and entertainment purposes only. You should not construe the information as legal, tax, investment, financial, or any other advice. Nothing contained in this presentation constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, or offer by BTC Media, the Let's Talk Bitcoin Podcast Network, or any third-party service provider to buy or sell securities or any other financial instruments. Do your own research. Thank you.